Well, hey, Sound Life, it is Pastor Susie and Pastor Caleb here to talk about Sunday's message once again and how we can apply it to our lives and uh, going deeper into some of what we heard yesterday. Um, Man, just the stories continue to be convicting, and this one especially Mm -hmm. about Stephen. Yeah. And, you know, the first known martyr was really, I don't know, convicting and just like, man, sobering thought. Totally. That's the word that comes to mind for me too, is sobering. Uh, one, to realize like how much of that kind of treatment we are spared in yeah. the American church, uh, but then also to realize that many places around the world, that kind of thing is still happening. Yeah. And I think that is, it is convicting, it is challenging, it is um, something that should remind us we're called to pray for those yeah, people. Totally. and. You know, to remind our kids of how blessed we are, mm-hmm. to remind ourselves how blessed we are to be able to serve Jesus in um, high levels of freedom. Yeah, absolutely. And um, man, just the <coughs> idea that that's how we're supposed to be too. Like we're supposed mm-hmm. to be those Christians going out and sharing the gospel. Um, and one of the interesting kind of things that come out in this story is the idea that Stephen's face was glowing yeah. in that moment. Yeah. And that was kind of a question that came up with one of our growth groups of, man, how could people see Stephen's face glowing like that and still not understand that Jesus is real, that God is like all over this moment? How could they do that? Yeah. Yeah, it is interesting. Um, And just this, uh, this picture of someone's face glowing and there's other references in Scripture to that, right? We mentioned Moses, yeah. who had a similar experience of being so uh, saturated in the presence of God that he his face glowed. Uh, and people had a somewhat of a similar response. They're like, hey, can you put that away? Yeah. Um, we're kind of intimidated yeah. by that. But um, 2 Corinthians 5 tells us as Christians that we should all shine with that kind of glory in some respect. Mm-hmm. Um, and that we don't have to be ashamed of it. We shouldn't be ashamed of that. But I think that question of like, how did that not change the game, right? Like, how did the glowing guy not just win the day? (laughs) Um, But it it kind of beckons back to this whole story in the book of Acts, all the way back to Jesus. So Jesus, the apostles, now Stephen. What, What are the things that are drawing attention to them It's the fact that they're healing sick people and casting out demons. So even more than the glowing face, how are people not celebrating some of those things? Even if they're a little confused or they don't like the the mechanisms, but the reality is they just don't like the message. They don't want to lose face to Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so I think what what it brings to bear is that when our hearts are hard to God, when we do not want God to change our system. And that could be because we're in power. It could be because we're just comfortable. It could be because we're insecure and afraid. It could be for a lot of reasons that we're like, God, please do not change my setup. Mm -hmm. Um, That lends to hearts being hardened. And then, you know, scripture's full of accusations of spiritual blindness, which is where our hearts are so hardened to God, we just don't see him no matter what he does to get our attention. Yeah. And I think that that's kind of the story of the nation of Israel, mm-hmm. um, especially in Jesus's time, the apostles' early ministry, and now Stephen's ministry, is you have people that had the word of God, knew it probably better than we as modern-day Christians know the word, 
and, and yet we're unresponsive to the Messiah and to the Spirit um, and to the Word of God being fulfilled right in front of their very eyes. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the answer is that hardened hearts really can't even see God. They don't recognize God. And that's, that's a little scary. It, it should scare us a little bit, should put the fear of the Lord into us. And we have to work at cultivating hearts that actually want God to reveal himself to us and want God to move in our lives. And if necessary, want God to change us in our circumstances. Mm -hmm. And that's hard for all of us, mm -hmm. I think. Yeah, I think that's a part of the value of the church and why God created us to be in community with one another as believers because... Every week we're like exposed to the presence of God. Totally. Every week we're in worship with one another. Every week we're meant to be in these conversations where we're, you know, talking about our real life and our real struggles and, you know, growing together. Yeah. So Yeah, and sometimes our blindness isn't necessarily even to some miraculous thing that God's doing. Sometimes it's just a character development, isn't yeah. it? And I think that's another part of community is when we see ourselves in light of our relationships. We see where things that we do or say maybe don't help a relationship develop mm -hmm. um, or even hurt a relationship. And I think being a part of the church where there is a standard by the word of God yeah. um, challenges us to have soft hearts in both our character, but also in our perspective of eternity and, and the works of God. So I've found that often it's being in small groups or in family settings where I'm challenged to need the fruit of the Spirit in my life. I'm mm -hmm. like, oh, wow, I need a little more gentleness. I need a little more patience. I need a little more love or a lot more of those things. Holy Spirit, help me, change yeah. me, do yeah. this in me because I'm not effective on my own. Um, so there's there's some of those things, not just the signs and wonders things that we need community for. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we should just, should be at heart check always. If we're walking out of church and we're not like, challenge to grow um if we're totally. not walking out of you know a small group yeah. challenged you know that is that's on us right because totally. the bible is the the sword that pierces it's it's living and active for today so yeah. it's not god's word that's the problem it's yeah. our hearts and our position yeah. it's a great point yeah we even just our daily devotional time yeah. and it's not that we want to have stretches where it feels a little dry especially yeah. if you're reading through some longer um, sections of the Old Testament that are that are making a point, but maybe it's a long, slow point. Yeah. But I think if we're considering what Jesus did on the cross and some of the scriptures that talk about the impact that should have in our lives, and we feel numb to that, mm -hmm. that's that's a desperate place to be. We should cry out to God. Yeah. We should cultivate hunger and thirst in our life for Him to move. And when we don't we drift towards that hardness of heart. Mm -hmm. And I think we see that sometimes in, in long-time believers, young yeah. and old, people yeah. that have been raised in the church or been in the church a long time. We drift into this place of kind of knowing all the right things, but we're not really engaged mm -hmm. in the life of the Spirit. Yeah. We're not engaged in the life of the church. We're not engaged in the kingdom advancing in this world. Mm -hmm. um, and that, you don't see any place for that in the New Testament. Yeah. And I think you kind of talked about that quite a few times in your message. You just mentioned how we are all called to do what Stephen did. Sure. And it's not just because Stephen was a leader in the early church. And it's not even because Jesus walked, because Stephen walked with Jesus. We we probably can guess that he didn't actually know Jesus until, sure. 
you know, after Jesus was already ascended into heaven. So it's yeah. a calling for all believers to walk in that kind of, you know, full of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Which is the key phrase, right? Throughout the book of Acts, the game changers in the book of Acts are the message of Jesus being preached and then human beings being full of the Holy Spirit in their interactions with others. Mm -hmm. And so I, I do think we have to not try to manufacture those things on our own. Those are the works of God that yeah. we embrace and then God uses them how he will, sometimes in miraculous ways. Um, and I, I think the emphasis needs, we need to be careful not to put the emphasis on the signs and wonders, mm -hmm. though we also shouldn't avoid those things. Um, what, we, what we should put the emphasis on is that everywhere there are people full of the Spirit, something divine is happening. People have wisdom or words beyond their own education or knowledge or experience. Um, prayers are being answered for demons to be cast out or the sick to be healed in miraculous ways. So I think the question is, like, are we walking with Jesus and his spirit in a way where we even want those things? Yeah. Where we're asking for those mm -hmm. things? Where we're needing those things? Are we ministering to broken enough people that we don't have the answers unless God shows up? Um, because I think that if we're if, if we can't say yes to any of those things, we should wonder if we're if we're on track yeah. uh, with what God's wanting to do. But I, I, you know, I wrestle with with even my own statements about that because let's be honest, I'm not like um, known for doing signs and wonders every <laughs> Sunday. Yeah. Um, I do sense the Holy Spirit moving in our church, moving in me. Um, convicting mm -hmm. sin, which is the number one work of the Holy Spirit, and a miracle in and of itself yeah. amongst all of our hardened hearts. Absolutely. But um, <clears throat> I think that we should be looking not just for one particular sign or wonder, but looking for the Holy Spirit moving in us and through us. Yeah. Uh, and I think that soft hearts, again, are the recipe for that. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, when you walk into any situation, this was one of kind of the response call times that you you suggested to our church like hey when you move from home to work or from you know work to school or whatever like sure. ask god to fill you up for that situation yeah and have that mindset wherever yeah. you go like god i need your holy spirit to to be present yeah it's it doesn't even require any spiritual knowledge i mean this is yeah. something that's that's being seen in psychology right now is that our culture is so mind numbing emotions numbing relationship numbing like it's easy for us to just move through life and become cogs in a system yeah. right to just become yeah. animals that are kind of fulfilling our role in an animal kingdom or parts of a machine and um, w relationships are what, like genuine, heartfelt, vulnerable relationships are what keep us from that. Mm -hmm. And relationship with God is what brings life, injects life into those situations. So as we go from situation to situation, rather than just stepping into our home as another part of that system yeah. or stepping into our job as another part of that machine, we can go in as bringers of life, but... Mm -hmm. It's the Holy Spirit who who is the life. We have to bring the message of Jesus and the presence of the Holy Spirit with us. And that, it's amazing to me, but the, the beauty of the cross is that those things are just an ask away. Yeah. They're us just wanting, Jesus, come and be Lord in my life and in my setting. Mm -hmm. Father, fill me with the gift of the Holy Spirit that you promised. And there is there's no other requirements other than our heart wanting 
yeah. those things. Mm -hmm. So I think it's that awareness that we don't get sucked into that numbness that our culture produces, but we we want to be used of the Holy Spirit. And then we see our coworkers differently. Mm -hmm. We see our kids differently. I don't see my kids as like, are they going to be good today or annoying today, mm -hmm. right? Like I, I don't see them as potentially a problem or potentially something that makes me feel good. I think, God, help me to be a blessing to my kids. Help me to disciple my kids. Help me to discern what they need to hear from me and have the wisdom to say it and do it. Mm -hmm. um, they become objects of loving ministry. And the same thing with my coworkers, the same thing with people in the community. Um, I had to go to Safeway early in this morning for some groceries that we realized suddenly, oh, we need these today. So I made a Safeway run and I'm checking out. Obviously, it's really early this morning. <clears throat> and um, I just noticed an employee kind of standing there looking just like, why am I here at work? And maybe, I don't know, just kind of had a look on her face like she probably hadn't been treated nicely in a while. Mm -hmm. And I, I just did the self-checkout thing and then I stopped and just said, hey, thank you. Appreciate it. I hope you have a good day. And she kind of just like looked shocked that someone talked to her. Yeah. But I think it's I think it's the Holy Spirit in us that helps us notice other people Absolutely. and treat them with love and dignity and mm -hmm. want good things for them. Yeah. And when you love people and want good things for them, then when you see areas of brokenness, whether it's they just need an encouraging word mm -hmm. or they need a demon cast out yeah. or they need a prayer that God will restore hope in their broken mind, body, situation, then we step into that and say, hey, Jesus... And the Holy Spirit in me wants to help you. Can I pray for you? Yeah. Um, or can I encourage you? Can I step into your situation? And I think that's that's where we see the signs and wonders um, occasionally. And we've mm -hmm. seen those in our church, right? We hear almost on a weekly basis of one of those prayer moments at the altar resulting in a in a physical healing or in a situation that is miraculously changed and sometimes maybe we don't make as big a deal out of those yeah. as we could. Yeah. Sometimes that's to protect the privacy of a person too. But um, God does answer often Absolutely. when we call out to him. Yeah, I think you're hitting the nail on the head, like moving through our life with intention mm -hmm. and the intention to be used by God is is what we can do. And you kind of talked about on Sunday how it's not always just like preaching on a street corner, but it's doing some of these things that you're talking about, work, family, um, so I wonder what are the other like areas that you see like, man, we should really use these for the gospel. Yeah. I mean, obviously in Jesus and Stephen's day, the street corner preaching was a little bit more culturally acceptable than it is today. Yeah. Um, obviously that it was one of the only ways for mass communication. Whereas today we might send a, an email or make a social media post mm -hmm. that's sharing a testimony of what God's done in our lives. Yeah. Um, I think the key, though, is to look at what platform have you been given, mm -hmm. right? Stephen didn't just, like, he wasn't a week old Christian, I'm yeah. pretty sure. Now, there were things that were moving pretty fast in the body of Christ, but it sure seemed like Stephen had embraced full-on surrender and was well on his way to maturity in some areas to be recognized in the church as that respectable, full of the Spirit, and wise person. So... Some of the level of ministry we're seeing from Stephen, that might not be our day-to-day, -day, um, or it may be a ways off, right? Yeah. Like, we may start small. I feel like I've seen ministry grow in my life as God's added some of that wisdom and respectability, right? Yeah. The Holy Spirit's been there, yeah. but some of the respectability and wisdom took some time to develop, I think. 
So um, I, I think that what platform do you have right now? Mm -hmm. And that platform may be, you know, I'm I'm working in a in a local store and I work with 12 to 25 other employees. Well, those relationships are your mission field. Yeah. Um, it may be that I have one or two roommates. Those relationships are your mission field. Mm -hmm. Now, that doesn't mean that you're you should become this proselytizing robot that all you can do is try to argue them into the faith. Please don't do that. <laughs> you don't you don't see Jesus arguing with very many people, usually only religious experts. Yeah. Um, you see him having dinner with people, mm -hmm. building relationships, um, noticing things about them and drawing that out into the perspective of God's love for them. And then sharing the good news and, and sometimes confronting sin when it, when it is the right moment for that. Mm -hmm. um, so I think, what is the platform? If you're a leader in the business world, you have more responsibility than an employee, yeah. right? Like you have an, a responsibility for the kind of culture mm -hmm. you allow in the workplace. Um, you have, a, I think, a responsibility for how you dignify um, and reward good behavior in the workplace and maybe even how you discipline bad behavior in the mm -hmm. workplace. Those are lines that often get blurred in an economic system just by how much people produce financially, yeah. right? So I think that there's those types of platforms that we have to use. And then are you using that platform to share Jesus? I love hearing stories of some of the people in our church that are looking for every opportunity, sometimes in work environments like public education yeah. or government jobs where it's, it's pretty taboo. Mm -hmm. Um, they're always looking for opportunities to share Jesus, to yeah. share what God has done in their life yeah. as a testimony, mm -hmm. not as this religious hammer they have to drop, or to just offer to pray for people. Totally. It's amazing how personal testimony and a willingness to pray can open doors for yeah. the gospel. And I think that those are the types of platforms we need to look for. Mm -hmm. And then watch God do a miracle. Yeah. Maybe not in a whole crowd of people, mm -hmm. but what if he did it in one coworker's life at a totally. time? And I've seen that uh, in my own life. I've heard it from many people in our church. And I think that that should be the goal with the kind of culture that we are in today. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great. Wherever you can lead, you should take the advantage of it. I've seen people who in kind of like a a baby shower setting, mm -hmm. open up the baby shower in prayer. Yeah. Even though you know not everyone there is a Christian, totally. but you have the opportunity to do it. So yeah. let God use you. And yeah. I think that brings up something that I know I prayed with somebody yesterday who was just like, man, I'm just fearful mm. of what sure. this means. Like, man, saying yes to God, I know I need to do it. Mm -hmm. I know that's what God's asking me to do. I just, man, what does that mean? And I'm just so scared of what that could mean. Yeah. Which when we read a story like Stephen, I mean, yeah. it, it could be a little scary. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I don't know. What would you say to people who are afraid? I think the, the good thing to remember is just that God is so gracious and gentle with us. Um, God is not like a boot camp drill sergeant <laughs> in, in our discipleship process. He has every right to be. Yeah. Um, and that's not to say that, that he doesn't put us in some situations occasionally. We wish he wouldn't. Um, but often God is so gracious, so gentle. Um, he often moves us forward one step at a time. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and those are fears that I've had in my life. There's, there's times where I'm like, man, Lord, I'm afraid to ask for more of you because what are you going to ask me to surrender this time? What yeah. are you going to ask me to lay down? I think as God has worked me through some of that, what I've realized is rarely does he ask me 
to surrender everything at once. It's usually a little bit at a time. Um, and then more importantly than that, when I have surrendered it, I realize how cheap it was, mm -hmm. what I was holding on to in totally. comparison with what he had for me. Yeah. And if there is one thing that I am desperate as a pastor for our church to understand, it's how beautiful and valuable and truly glorious the benefits of the kingdom of God are and how cheap and insignificant yeah. the benefits of this world are. I think if all of us could really get a hold of that comparison and live out of it mm -hmm. every day, we would waste so much less time, energy, emotions, money, yeah. um, all those things. We'd waste so much less of this precious life God's given us, and we would make so much more of the opportunity to invest cheap things for eternal reward. Mm -hmm. And that's something I wrestle with, to be honest, Susie. I wrestle with it all the time. I have days where I'm not as open to the Holy Spirit as I should be. Yeah. I have days where I'm not as surrendered. I have things that I'm not quick to lay down. And I confess that I'm not saying that to make everybody feel okay about that. Yeah. I guess I'm just saying that to say we're all in this together. Um, and we need to, like some places in Scripture, talk about us exhorting each other, encouraging yeah. each other, motivating each other on towards the good works of the kingdom. Mm -hmm. Because it's so easy to waste this life to get stale in our faith, to have those hard hearts, and to miss out on what God is doing. Yeah. And I don't want to be like those those old wineskins. Remember mm -hmm. Jesus said the Pharisees, unfortunately, had let themselves kind of stiffen spiritually yeah. into old wineskins, and they couldn't handle what Jesus was calling the new wine mm -hmm. of the next move of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And staying stretchy, staying mm -hmm. flexible yeah. is so hard, especially as we get older. Mm -hmm. um, that's known. It's a psychological fact, but I think it's also a spiritual fact. We yeah. get tired of surrender. We get tired of the fight. And we look for ways to, to withdraw mm -hmm. rather than we have to keep being people. Um, I know it's my, my given name, but I love the story of Caleb in the Old Testament where they finally, he's one of the couple, two guys that actually gets into the promised land from the original generation. He's 80 years old, and they're finally going to war for the land they have been given. And it said, you know, Caleb says, give me the land of the giants. Give me, give me Hebron, where the biggest giants live. I'm 80 years old, but I'm still <laughs> as ready to go out to battle yeah. as when I was 40. And... Um, I remember thinking, wow, 40 seems old. Now I am 40, and I'm like, Lord, please yeah. let me stay this way till I'm 80, right? But all that to say, what if our spirits yeah. stayed that way? Mm -hmm. What if we had the spirits of when we first got saved? And so, um, you know, Revelation calls the church back to its first love. Mm -hmm. I think it's wise for all of us to, at different moments, remember how good the grace of Jesus tasted the first time yeah. we ever experienced it, and to try to live out of that. So... I understand those fears. I feel them. I feel scared about certain things. I feel like the Holy Spirit's speaking to me in this season of my mm -hmm. life. But I've also learned to just like reach out and grab Jesus's hand and keep walking, even mm -hmm. though I'm a little nervous. Yeah. Don't let it paralyze you. Yeah. Don't stop moving towards Jesus, even if today you can only move one inch towards him. Yeah. And um, and then maybe I sh I'll stop talking with this, but remember the guy who came to Jesus with his demon-possessed son, mm -hmm. and, and he said, Jesus, if possible, right. could you set my son free? And Jesus was kind of taken aback, kind of, I think rhetorically asking him, he's like, you already brought your son to me. Yeah. So if possible, like with a little faith, anything's possible. Mm -hmm. And what does the dad say? Such a great statement for us to pray from time to time. Very honest and vulnerable. He says, 
Lord, I do believe, but help, me. help my unbelief. <laughs> yeah. Like, help me because I also I believe, but I have doubts. And so often we come to Jesus with this balance of belief and doubts. Yeah. Jesus uh, heals his son, sets him free from a demon, which shows that even that mix of belief and doubt is still enough for Jesus. Mm-hmm. So um, keep moving towards Jesus. Pray that, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Yeah. Help me in my fear, my anxiety. And I, I found that Jesus is pretty gracious about that. Totally. It's it's okay to do it afraid, right? Like, it's okay yes. to just go forward. And we know that God's not given us a spirit of fear. He's given mm-hmm. us power, love, and a sound mind. And like you said yesterday, he's given us the Holy Spirit's got our back. Yeah. And so we don't have to be afraid in those situations. But totally. we should think of the responsibility to say yes. Because without Stephen saying yes, mm-hmm. I mean, the witness would have been way less. Yeah. And so it is our responsibility to say yes, not just for ourselves, but for people that God wants to reach. Absolutely. So Absolutely. Yeah, that and that's what it's all about. Yeah. Right? Like we have to remember there is a reward coming, but there's a reason we are here. Yeah. And it is so countercultural to realize this, but the reason we're here is not for us. Yeah. It's for people that don't know Jesus mm-hmm. yet. And that is even preaching through the series, transforming my perspective of how I see my life is to realize like every bit of this life is best spent in representing Jesus mm-hmm. to people who don't know him yet. Yep. And that's what we want to be about. Absolutely. And so with that, Sound Life, remember, as you go this week, you are representing Jesus. And so we'll see you back here next week.